0: Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast episode 54. On this episode we're talking the PLG Grand Slam and Blast Pro Lisbon, and we're doing some roster changes, Carrigan Bench by FaZe, MIBR to trade liquid for Stewie 2K for Taco and Zeus, Bolts to Luminosity and the Virtus Pro lineup Caesars Competition. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Dabs. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Fair. Called Zara. This is Karigan. Are you listening to Truth. The Truth. The, Truth? the Truth. the Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. Are we rushing in, or are we going sneaky, peaky like? So just a preemptive apology for. Uh, the sound of this podcast it's been a big weekend we had our house uh, christmas party on saturday night friday night friday night um saturday night i can't even remember uh you know you know australia is running a campaign right now uh to warn people about the dangers of too much sun exposure uh, they're saying that uv rays cause dna damage well pretty sure I've done some DNA damage to myself this weekend, mostly through consumption of pavlova. But I'll try not to let that affect me as we go into some of these news uh, articles. Firstly, the PLG Grand Slam happened. Uh, There was a lot of issues with the broadcast. It was the first tournament, I believe, from these organizers out of Abu Dhabi. And last week, we predicted that Fnatic or G2 would really have to win this tournament for uh, the purposes of self-respect and dignity. And in fact, the two of them made it to the grand finals. But Fnatic won this particular one, 2-0. They beat him on Dust2 and Mirage. And Krims was the MVP of the tournament. Crims' daddy obviously holding down the fort as per. He got 1.34 rating over eight maps. And the final standing to the tournament were Fnatic and then G2, then Sharks and Forza, and then ECL, Tyloo, Hellraisers and Ince, and then Boot DS, Greyhound, Avanga, and Five Power. And then Energy, NASA, Chosen Five, and Shot callers coming in last. So, you know, for what we predicted, fairly uh, standard results. Uh, the Forza, actually, the Russian team, had some of the more surprising results here. We didn't really know much about them going in, but they are our 50th ranked team. And they did manage to beat G2 in a best-of-one, and they also beat Avangar and Ince in best-of-threes. So those guys are perhaps on the up-and-up, and and we might see more of them in the 2019s. Uh, One of the other stories, I guess, out of this is that Greyhound sort of bombed out a bit hard. They couldn't beat the Franken-team of uh, ECL, who, if you recall, last podcast were called Gucci XD until they managed to get a sponsorship deal at the last minute. Um, I guess, to provide them with uh, flights and snacks. Um, but uh, those guys had Screamin' Dock uh, and uh, really just were a bit of a you know, a thrown-together mixed bag of lollies. And Greyhounds still couldn't manage to beat them. And they also lost to Tyloo, which, uh, if you're from Australia, you know, that's one of your regular opponents. So not, good, not a good look for Greyhound, especially because coming from Australia, the jet lag shouldn't have been too bad at all coming into Abu Dhabi. Uh, I didn't see their matches because a lot of the streams actually were either not being shown or were being shown with uh, a different language commentating it, and that just annoys me. Um, now, Blast Pro Lisbon just happened, just finished, and that was won by Astralis. Which is unusual. Uh, they won uh, the grand final over Navi. It was, a, it was a best of three. A best of um, yes, a best of three. They won it two one. Uh, actually, this was this was probably a better Navi against Astralis, perhaps than we'd seen even at the major. Uh, but they did suffer from the same issue, which is going hard in the first map in their pick, and then just seemingly getting quite tilted and not managing to keep up the level that they started with. It began on overpass, and Navi looked amazing. They'd prepped, they'd stratted and they beat Astralis 16-7. But then we came to cash, and Navi had prepared some stuff here as well, but Dupree, amongst others, went pretty damn huge, and they shut down Navi. And then we went to Dust2, and this was an absolute stomping. Astralis took them 16-4. Magis was the MVP... Magisk. He had 1.39 over 8 maps, and the final standings were Astralis first, then Na'Vi, then Cloud9, MIBR, FaZe, and NIP. Now, I did... I think I might have... Hmm. I didn't make any predictions on this podcast, but I did say on the uh, Twitter that I thought Cloud9 was actually looking quite good. They had a bit of a Franken-team this time, too. If you recall, Refresh was standing in for Golden, who is still being plagued, plagued by health issues. Uh, and they actually did quite well, especially considering uh, beneath them was NIP, FaZe, and MRBI. And actually, one of the things I was looking forward to were some of these teams who weren't able to play the last few tournaments, uh, like FaZe, like uh, NIP, getting a bit of revenge, getting themselves back up on the standings for the rest of the year. But these guys actually sort of bombed out pretty hard um, FaZe did definitely look like they had already made a roster change before this and we're going to get to that in one second uh, I don't think there's going to be any roster changes with Nip I I certainly hope not they uh, they just need to um, build on some consistency surely uh, but let's get to the roster changes by FaZe because there's a lot to say And there's a lot of emotions. FaZe Clan have announced via Twitter that they are benching their in-game leader, Carrigan. The 28-year-old Dane has been with them since October 2016, and in that time, he's led them to victories at Starlighter Season 3, ESL 1 New York, E-League 2017, ECS Season 4, IAM Sydney, Belo Horizonte, and Epicenter 2018. But a few games into the last major, after they'd gone down two games, Nico announced he was taking over the IJL duties, and the team then experienced a confusing and discombobulated run. It was clear to me, and I think to probably other viewers, that Carrigan's leadership, his confidence, had been shaken. He stopped being the showman we knew and loved, and cut a much tighter and smaller profile. Actually, the most recent event, uh, Blast Pro Lisbon, um, at which they went out in fifth place, the team um, seemed to be somewhat distant from Carrigan, and he barely seemed to be talking with them. On the outside, it already seemed, even during the 1v1 show match, that he was the man on the plank. Uh, he actually tweeted a few days ago, so many clouds here in Denmark, <clears throat> amidst speculation that he might be going to a, a North American organization. Obviously hinting at Cloud9. But in the tweet after being benched, he did say that if any orgs are interested, they can contact Faze. So that doesn't necessarily mean that no one's contacted Faze. It could mean that he's saying, look, if you want to get your bid in before the end of the year, add to the pool. Drive it up. Drive the uh, buyout higher. But uh, it doesn't really suggest that he's in a firm lock with anyone at this point. Uh, personally, this is obviously some pretty sad news. I love watching Carrigan play. I've loved having him on phase. He's such a showman with the crowd when he's confident and hyped. Uh, but if you, if you recall the interview that I did with him back in July, he said that if he can't make this roster work, and this is sort of in the eyes of the uh, metaphoric crowd, if he can't make this roster work, then he really can't make any combination work, which I get what he was saying, but it doesn't really help him in this situation. Um, You know, you had all the pieces for the most dominant super team in CSGO basically ever, and they gave us some of the most dominant tournament victories ever, but it's clear now that they were sort of highly confidence-based, and Carrigan couldn't maintain a level of motivation or practice or preparation to ensure ensure that moments of stress, you know, those dips, those low-energy troughs were covered by the muscle memory of rigorous team rehearsal, as we see with Australis Now, you may say perhaps this is not his job. Perhaps it is Robin's job. doesn't really matter. If Robin was going to leave, I would say the same thing about him. Uh, and unfortunately, one of the most iconic moments for this particular lineup of phase will forever be their choking at the Boston Major Final, which was a malfunction of communication and unstable team dynamics at the moment of most pressure. Unfortunately, that pattern repeated itself uh, at IEM Katowice in 2017 when they choked against Fnatic, in particular, the antics of Flusher. It's got to be tougher than we can all imagine leading a team of people who speak different languages. But if anyone's going to be responsible for bad communication, it's probably got to be the in-game leader. Um, Now, a lot of people are calling for Carrigan to go to Optic or North, but having met the guy and sat with him for... you know, 15, 20 minutes, obviously, <laughs> I can make a vast judgment on his character. But I, I did experience the way he controls a situation in a room and an interaction, and a lot of it's through fast thinking, fast talking, aloofness, um, and with a sort of an air of being the smartest guy in the room. But these are not great solutions for North and Optic, in my opinion. If he replaced Snappy and Optic, he's going to have to have to deal with Config. Uh, and I don't see his sort of brand of mystification working on config, whose belief in his own skill, if he still has it, if it still exists after their pretty lacklustre run recently, I think that would give him short patience, you know, with Carrigan. Then you've got North, whose Valde, I think, is probably smarter than Kerrigan and actually perhaps even more socially skilled. And I've said it before, but I will say it again. Kerrigan can play the game really well, but he's also a money man. And I don't mean like he should move into management, but I think one day he will own his own organization. And when he does, that's probably when he will really hit his strides and we will actually see the best... Well, we probably won't even see him, but that will be the best Kerrigan, you know, in this universe. Now, previously, I thought um, in a couple of episodes ago that he would be really good on Liquid because it's a team of fairly introverted personalities that he could dominate, hype up, and positively affect. But, and we're going to get onto this in a moment, with the addition of Stewie2k into that lineup, I think that's not a great idea anymore, especially as Zeus is going. And if you recall from that episode, I was imagining that Zeus was the mother of the family and Carrigan was the father, because I have way too much time on my hands. Uh, so I don't think that would work anymore. But... Um, But I do have a solution for Carrigan, which struck me last night in a moment of brilliantly clarifying genius. The best team right now for Carrigan and the team right now that could use him the most is Renegades, the Detroit Renegades. And there's a few reasons. I was just saying last episode that Renegades need someone with a bit of fire in them or they're never going to get out of the lower sort of top 20 purgatory they have seem to have been around this little tier two level for quite some time. They've made some new roster changes without much of a change in their fortunes. Um, the current IGL of that team is Azza, and he's only leading by necessity. Uh, and I think Carrigan having won a bunch of tournaments can bring in a lot of that confidence. He's going to have immediate... Uh, respect from these guys who wouldn't have dealt with such an experienced player ever before. You know, I mean, played with, um, and he also can have the authority that he needs to be confident and um, really take these guys to at least top ten, and and bring them out of you know what are they now top? I think I think they're ranked thirteenth. Um, so the most the most likely candidates for replacement in this team are Azar or JKM. Uh, because in JKS we've got the best fragger and and as a new new blood. Now JKM's played with Carrigan before on phase, which would be a little bit of familiarity, but asther I would say would be the most likely to be in the chopping block if they were thinking of bringing in Carrigan. I think he's a support player anyway, so he might be the one to see the door. Uh, however, keeping the Australian four might be the better option. It means if you ever make another roster change, you are still guaranteed that oceanic spot in the major or in the minor qualifiers, I should say. Uh, this, to me, would be the absolute best timeline. I can see Kerrigan moving to NA, but I do not see him on Cloud9 or or Liquid for that matter because Cloud9, I, I, don't, I don't see that he could actually really mesh that well with Flusher. That, to me, just seems like a matchup. That, that, uh, I, I, do, can you see Flusher listening to Kerrigan? I, I think not. Anyway, this is an end of an era... Uh, this is a shame I think he's done some wonderful things at FaZe and he should be very proud of his tenure and I hope he lands on his feet MIBR are going to trade Stewie2k Taco and Zeus uh, from Liquid according to a report from ESPN and the report states that they are looking to return to a fully Brazilian roster which puts Tarek on the chopping block and sees them reuniting with some old faces we know and love. Now, we did predict that this US-Brazilian hybrid experiment creature, uh, this cabros from the uh, valley between the United States and Brazil, was surely having to come to an end at some point. Uh, but... um. It does come out as a uh, somewhat enjoyable surprise because forcing, you know, being forced to watch that that sort of roster limp along like a car that was running on the wrong type of petrol, sort of slowly and awkwardly and belching smoke, uh, was a little painful. And uh, the only thing is, you know, I think Tarko going back to this roster smacks a, a little bit of uh, Stiko returning to the Mouse Sports roster earlier this year. Although I think the, the prime difference there perhaps might be that Stiko was definitely benched uh, at the behest of the org and the players, whereas from memory, Tarko basically benched himself in an act of sort of Jesuit-level uh, self-sacrifice, uh, whether that was because of his own conscience or the pressure from the community who liked to um, throw manure at him for for being stat-wise a lot lower than the others. Uh, obviously, we will never know. Um, but uh, obviously as well, I think uh, MIBR miss the guy and the self-doubt in that team has risen to the point they think he was crucial to their success, which doesn't bode well because uh, it really shows how low their confidence is compared to earlier in the year, regardless of whether Tarko coming back is even the right thing. I don't imagine it'll bring immediate results. Uh, and Zeus, of course, coming back to Liquid, uh, coming back to liquids, sorry, right? Fallen and Co., that's obviously the return of the Luminosity side, which is a relationship, clearly, that they value. But being drawn to nostalgia at this point only seems a little desperate. Uh, it, it's true that Zoo seems to have done a lot of good things uh, to make Liquid a consistent, dangerous team, and he has obviously built up a great relationship with Taco on that side again. Um, so maybe that's a good thing. Perhaps Noah Winston, however, is playing some sort of brand game with them, you know? I wouldn't put it past the old, uh, the old wranger. Uh He may have uh, given fallen a time limit on the new roster, and and probably Yanko too. I guess, uh, with the caveat that if results weren't incoming, perhaps by you know Blast Pro Lisbon, that they would then have to be go have to go full Brazilian, which of course is what the roster is all about, made in Brazil and probably with a stronger brand like that is going to make sure that Winston gets more Benjamins in his pock Now, rumours are swirling about who's going to fill Tarek's place. We've heard KNG uh, was on the cards. In fact, KNG released a suspiciously timed apology just before this announcement, which was somewhat surprising, <laughs> considering there were multiple occasions on this and last year where the disgraced Brazilian player doubled down on things he said on Twitter, like, for instance, threatening to kill uh, Pujan Meta, a.k.a. FNS. Uh, so, look, uh, there was speculation as to whether that was a push by the PR team of uh, MIBR before the announcement came. But even, even in, you know, there's a, I'm sure there's an even likelihood that KNG realized that someone was going out of... MIBR thought this might have been his opportunity to uh, polish his shoes and, um, you know, stand up straight and hope that someone would take notice of him. Uh, Points for trying. (laughs) Uh, The other player in the conversation is Phelps. Actually, as of this morning, uh, he's been confirmed as in talks with MIBR. Just in talks, not... uh, not definitely being transferred, but there's there's multiple organizations now that are talking about him and being in talks, including Nell, the French journo who often has some pretty damn uh, juicy tidbits. Now, the final I guess question mark over what's going to happen to this implosion is Yanko. Yanko seems to have done good things for MIBR, but their results really didn't change in his addition to the team. And now that he's out in the cold again, uh, it would be a shame to see him leave the coaching role. I think he would be better off going to FaZe. They're a team that seems to need some sort of... How do we say it? A status figure over the exploding um, uh, ego of Nico. Which look for all we know maybe isn't exploding. Maybe it was simply Carrigan faltering and Nico picking up the slack. So actually, I should take that back. But I think if if he's going to be if he's going to really make a difference to any top team right now, it's got to be FaZe. We don't know how much Robin does or doesn't do, but considering he very rarely comes up in any conversation with any of the players. I don't think, for instance, he has the same kind of impact on that team as someone like Zonic does. So, anyway, that's a shame that this roster has imploded because it would have been nice to have seen them do something uh, really fun. They obviously had some great ingredients, but as as we bemoaned, they weren't looking good. They weren't looking cohesive. The relationship of adoration and idol worship that was displayed on Stewie two <coughs> Stewie two K's visage. Many, many, many moons ago, obviously, when you uh, look at someone in such a black and white way, the moment that image cracks somewhat at all, you will flip completely to the other side. So it's my guess that Stewie2k now has lost a lot of respect for Fallen, perhaps, and that relationship could be a lot more toxic than anybody actually realizes. Beware young listeners out there if you idolize someone too much you definitely run into the danger of then once again flipping to another black and white view of them when your view is challenged it's a problem with infatuations in uh, young relationships but let's not go into that now today is not the time for digressions because we've got a little bit more news to go Uh, What you are hearing is me having a sip of my soy decaf flat white. It's uh, somewhat depressing, actually, to look at this cup of um, beige um, semi-froth liquid and think that this is what my life has come to, being off uh, the stimulants. But um, that's, uh, that's life. That's live at the age of 34 when you're trying to just wrestle that uh, horse you're on. Point at... uh Oh, God, I don't even know what I'm talking about. All right, there's some better news this week, actually, because uh, Ricardo Boltz-Pras, who you know and love from his wild appearances at the uh, PGL Major Krakow with the Mortals and then um, heartwarming appearances with the SK team, for instance, at Epicenter 2017. He has been on the bench with MIBR for four months, twiddling his thumb mules, and he has now replaced Gustavo Yell Nittle in Luminosity. They announced this on social media, and uh, he has now been reunited with Henny, Lucas, and Steele. I should say Lucas1, shouldn't I? Hen1, Lucas1, and Steele. Now, these were his former teammates from Mortals, and they even have Zach, who I believe there was their coach at some point as well. Uh, now, this is a little weird. <laughs> this is a pretty weird little timeline here, considering that the Twins were part of the implosion. Uh, the Twins, of course, being Henny and Steele. They were part of the implosion of Steele and Bolts' career last year. On, actually, uh, September the 11th, 2017, when they, along with K&G decided that sleeping in was more important than making the first map of the DreamHack Open Montreal Finals, and they forfeited the first map and then lost the second, giving the trophy to North. So this may be an uneasy alliance, perhaps. Who knows? It might also be um, a heartwarming one. It could be, uh, you know... Getting the band back together has a uh, igniting effect on this team who sort of have had some could-have-been, should-have-been runs recently at a few Tier 2 tournaments. Um, now, with the roster change, the only remaining member of the original win-out squad that was signed by Luminosity back in July 2016, namely Yell, has now left, which makes the player Nekiz, a.k.a. Gabriel Shinato. I should say it the other way around. It makes the player Gabriel Shinato or Schinato, a.k.a. Nekiz, the longest standing member. And if you want to see Boltz back in action, which I do, I like. I like him. uh, The next event will be the Power Masters, January 19th to the 20th at the Avalon Theatre in Hollywood in Los Angeles. Apparently, there are now just six invites left for the tournament. I don't know why I'm reading out that part. And that's going to be $200,000 up for grabs. So those boys have just over a month to crack, to get back uh, that old Immortals chemistry, to let bygones be bygones, shake and bake, make up, uh, and really get another Brazilian team back on the radar. It is with a heavy heart that I reach this next segment of the news because the Virtus.pro Pro lineup have seized competition. Vertus Pro management have announced that the team will not play under the organization's banner until further notice. After a tumultuous year that saw the breakup of the original VP lineup consisting of Taz, Neo, Pasha, Snacks, and Biali, who were the longest standing lineup in CSGO at the time, the organization have now said that the current team, which features Mihu, Snatchy, and Morell's uh, as well as Neon and Pasha, will not play under the banner until further notice. The news comes after Virtus.pro's latest blunder, where they lost to XCOM, who are ranked 69th, bombing out of the European minor qualifier for the IEM uh, Katowice 2019 major. And also after the team failed to qualify for the next EPL season. So this is very, very sad. This is the lineup that really got me excited about CS again. Uh, about three years ago. I did a Christmas episode, actually, with Rush B last year that never aired, and we talked about our best players, and mine was Pasha, not because he was great stats-wise, but because he was the most valuable player in the whole scene in my eyes. He was the most visible, he was the most positive, the most emotional, the most charismatic player. He was basically uh, the Schwarzenegger of csgo and not just physically schwarzenegger was the most visible beacon for bodybuilding and he brought in so much popularity to that scene which at the time or prior to his entry was basically considered a very niche pretty weird thing uh, and once you kind of once Pasha kind of drew you in you recognized who he was between tournaments and then you could learn more about the team and the history of neo and taz and the mad plays of snacks and the silent skills of Biali. And he was just the perfect entry point, not only into that team, but in the whole scene. So this is heartbreaking for me. But the nailing the VP coffin actually came, in my opinion, actually, during their soccer match against SK last year. For those who didn't see it, it's on YouTube. And actually, it's not a bad watch. Uh, both both the Brazilians and the Polish uh, players are actually quite skilled soccer players. Uh, and we'll get to exactly what happened in that match in a second. But... Um, just to set it up uh, VP won DreamHack Masters Las Vegas against SK in February that year um, beating them 2-1 to one in a best of 3 which was quite decisive at the time but then they hadn't really done much since then and they sort of seemed to relax into a sort of a lazy sloppiness uh, which brought us to the soccer match and at the time this was also uh, was kind of a no-brainer in the scene because you had... The most charismatic team against the who were looking like the actually the best team at that point in mid 2017. And Virtus Pro in the soccer match actually pulled out some massive plays and were winning 4 2 until the very last four minutes when SK came back and scored three goals against them. It was if you were a fan of Virtus Pro, it was kind of shocking and obviously demoralising. You know what? And the soccer match felt like somewhat of a rematch for uh, Virtus Pro, or somewhat of a uh, you know an attempt to get back their dignity for the last few months. So it definitely seemed like a bit of a kick in the gut for this team that they couldn't even win on the soccer field, especially from a last-minute sort of. Uh, extra bit of juice that SK came out with that actually reflected some of the games at the time because shortly after this now Pro had the E-League clash for cash which was a one-off best of three against Astralis for $250,000 which was a replay of the major that they'd lost to Astralis very narrowly but in this, actually, particular tournament, they were outclassed in a fairly abrupt, almost humiliating way. And it was clear that in the time since the Major, Virtus. Pro had done very little to progress, whereas Australia's had become even more dangerous. Then they lost to Immortals 2-0 at PGL Krakow in front of the hometown in the semis. Which was possibly more traumatic than it should have been, considering how... Great! the crowd responded to the way they'd been doing thus far. They then bombed out of Dreamhack Masters Malmo, Mykonos, New York and E-League in a disastrous run and there were a lot of calls that Fertus Pro were over, that the lineup who came second in the major to Astralis that year they were dead that the old legends had lost it but then we came to Epicenter 2017 which was a slugfest that went all five maps and it came down to overtime on Cobblestone and Actually, throughout it, Virtus.pro were kind of looking like the better team, especially because SK were playing with the very, very recent edition of Bolts. But this best of five was basically won in the same way that the soccer game was won at the last minute with some incredibly skillful but demoralizing plays from SK. And this was a series that showed the incredible mind-bending synergy of SK could be matched by an opponent whose pride would not let themselves be beaten, whose own history, skill, and wiliness could bring them back into the game again and again, but not the last time. I think it went to 22-19 to 19 cobblestone. This is one of the best, best of fives, uh, I think, in Counter-Strike, at least that I've seen. If you haven't seen it, I would look at it, especially because we will never see that lineup again, at least not anytime soon. Anyway, all good things come to an end. I think you will see Pasha and Neo reunite with Taz at some stage because it did seem like the generation gap was actually the one that caused the friction. Perhaps that's uh, misguided, but from the little amount of small amount of vods I heard, it seemed like it, the it was really a drama between snacks and bialy versus Taz/perhaps Neo. Anyway, a little piece of me has died, but I will survive. So let's move on to a final tidbit about Cloud9. So it's been announced that the coach of Cloud9, Valens, is going to uh, transition into an analytics role and focus on building Cloud9's data or data collection or data monitoring. I'm I'm not sure. I'm a little bit confused by this, but I assume... That means he's going to be sitting at a computer in the Cloud9 headquarters in uh, Mount Olympus and uh, working out some sort of interface whereby all of the Cloud9 teams across the different games can access some serious stats, whatever turns him on. Uh, It's a shame to see him go. He was always a a cheerful-looking character. Um, And for... uh, so, so the, the rumour or the um, replacement at this point seems to be a Canadian player called Simphus. And Simphus took to Twitter to clarify somewhat the position in which he may be taking over the role. He said, and I'm quoting, for those that can't seem to read, Valens wants to retire from coaching after the major, which is his decision. I'm just tagging along as a trial, getting the vibe for the way they run things and to get with the team to make the transition easier if everything works out later. So Semphis went to Blast Pro Lisbon with those guys just to hang. And we won't see Valens exit the scene until at least after the major. Uh, Now, for those who are not too familiar with Semphis, as I mentioned, he's Canadian. He's been playing since 2009, had some of his most memorable results on complexity, but did actually play for Cloud9 for a tiny stint in 2014. And he also recently played for Envy for a month. Pardon me before they replaced him with stand-in polo, or poyo. Symphys is also notorious for his lifting Instagram that features him in track pants lifting large metal bars above his head. His most recent post was subtitled Squatted 585, Nose Exploded with Blood, See you at Blast Pro Series this weekend. So there you go. Actually, Symphys has some remarkably muscular legs. They're quite astounding, actually. If... Big quads are an indicator of a good coach. I'm sure he's going to give Zonic a run for his money in 2019. And you know what? Uh, I'm sure he's going to get on with Rush, who, as we know, per the Truth CSGO podcast interview with him, is quite the gym junkie. Personally, I'd like to see Flusher doing deadlifts at some point on someone's Instagram. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd pay money for that. Actually, I went a little bit further down Senphis' Twitter and he's posted a photo of himself in the mirror with his shirt off, his underpants showing, his dick bulging against his pants, his arms flexed, with the caption 238 weight, leanest I've been since I bulked at 270. Not sure, might need to be around 220 to be shredded. And it struck me that the world has skipped to a very different place in 2018. <laughs> From where it was, like, seemingly even only half a dozen years ago. This particular photo had 1.3 thousand likes and 27 retweets. Who are these people retweeting a photo of a grown man taken in the mirror? I guess they're young boys who um want muscles as well. I'm not sure. There was a discussion about his body fat percentage halfway down the comments. It's a bizarre world we live in, isn't it? I'm not judging at all. He's probably a lovely guy. He seems like a great guy. He's got a lot of respect from the community. And actually, I understand entirely the appeal of body transformation. We've talked about that uh, on this podcast with Cold Zero, with um, hats from Mortar. Uh, I understand the appeal of exercise. Um, it can be very addictive, especially weightlifting. I get that people can find this sort of thing inspirational as well. I just think the world is fucking weird, isn't it? You know what's also weird, actually? What I said on this episode with uh, Max Mellett about Gade, if you guys didn't listen to that episode, we were talking about North, um, and as is my wont, I sidestepped all meaningful analysis and observed that Gade had the appearance of a midday movie villain from the 90s. And uh, I'm not proud of this level the podcast uh, stoops to occasionally. By occasionally, I mean fairly regularly. Uh, but it wasn't really until later when I was showering, sponging myself off with a soft cloth moistened with a papaya natural body wash, that I actually suddenly felt a little bit ashamed. Because Gade, Gade's just a 24-year-old dude, man. His name's Nicholas Gade. His, 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 his tag is his surname. Like, he's straight up. He's trying to have a, a CSGO career, and he's doing pretty well at it. And who am I to say something rude about his appearance? And then, as always follows Sudden Shame, I uh, I felt curious. Why was there a type in midday movies that correlated with Gade? And that was actually quite easy to, easy to surmise, because in the 90s, the US still had the tart flavour of the Cold War in their mouths. So it followed that TV and movie villains were invariably Russian. You will... You will notice that uh, around the turn of the century, TV uh, and movie villains inevitably, um, how should we say, tended towards the more Afghani type. But uh, action movies at this point could generally get away with giving their villains total Russian accents. But melodramas couldn't always have that excuse, especially because they weren't often, you know, action movies. And so they needed to employ actors who reminded us of Europe and the villains of the world stage. But the thing is, Americans didn't really know what Russian men looked like. I don't think, anyway. Russian women, they, they did. But Russian men, probably not so much. Gorbachev basically could have just been an American businessman. And the same holds true today, actually. If you go to Google and type in famous Russians, the first result is actually a man. It's obviously Vladimir Putin. But after that, it's basically young, hot women like Maria Sharapova and Anna Kornikova and Irina Sheik. So the closest reference that America had, I reckon, was actually the Aryan look, which was so distinctive it was still in the national psyche from World War II. Thus, the villains of midday movies were drenched with handsome, blonde-haired, fair-skinned men who smiled charmingly as they thrust little knives into the American cops before pushing them over a wintry bridge in Massachusetts. Hence my comment about Gade. And um, with that uh, lengthy diegesis, I hope I've expunged my um, showering guilt. That's basically it for this week. We uh, don't really have any big tournaments before the end of the year. And uh, which I'm kind of looking forward to. It's been a back-to-back coverage requirement for this pod. Uh, taking on the burden, the uh, gilded mantle, shall I say, of covering CS:GO news on a quasi-weekly basis. But uh, I'm looking forward to having a little break from that kind of thing. I will come back with a pod next week. Hopefully, it won't be. Uh, it will be a little more light on the ground. <sighs> I won't have to cover matches for a little bit. Actually, there was an infographic that was published on Reddit which was quite uh, helpful in realizing actually how how uh, drastic the influx of new tournaments has been, uh, not only between 2016 and 2014, but even just in two, 2016, 2018, but even just in 2018 compared to 2017, a significant amount of gaps that uh, the CSGO year used to have have been filled in with tier 2 tournaments which mean it makes for an exhausting news podcast (laughs) but it does mean that there's basically always something to watch if like me you have a little bit of FOMO with watching these games and try and watch them all it makes it tough to be on this side of the world because as often sleep is being disrupted and uh, I am loath to watch tournaments a day later. It just does not have the same electricity that comes from knowing that you are participating in a live event with a bunch of other people, which I think is actually quite tribal. You know, I think there's actually a biological uh, underpinning to the joy and the thrill we get from that. It's a bit like watching, uh, uh, gathering in the town square on a Friday night in medieval times, you know. Actually, we were joking the other night what uh, people used to say if, if you're in medieval times, uh, you know, when they were talking about their weekends, like, what are you up to? Well, I'm just going to a uh, Friday night. I'm just, uh, you know, guillotining and chill. Just uh, having a quiet one in. And then Saturday night, we're having a hanging and chill. Um, here's what's happening in the new year, though. Uh, I might have mentioned this at some point, but uh, I will be relocating to Europe for four and a half months come the beginning of January. Therefore, I will be at a better time zone to watch these events. Although perhaps, because they'll be happening in the workday, I'll miss even more of them. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Because I'm going for work and not holiday. But that'll be interesting. Perhaps uh, if I get some time, I'll have more chance to attend some. Slash, uh, you know, pop up at Ladislav Guardian Kovacs' house and... uh, See what's cracking. Oh, you know what? One of the things that um, I forgot to mention in the Guardian section was that uh, a little, um, how do we call it? A little uh, um, chat log of his between uh, him and Seize surfaced where he said, where Seize was asking him whether roster changes would happen before the Major, whether Carrigan was out, and he replied, I-D-G-A-F, which if you're Carrigan is a fairly uh, demoralizing thing to hear about uh, and has dropped Guardian in my esteem somewhat. But there you go. There's the dangers of idolization. Because you idolize someone and you set yourself up to be disappointed with them. Not only that, if you idolize someone too much, you set yourself up to be disgusted with them. And at the end of the day, we're all human we all have multiple sides. We all have multiple edges, which is why I can still enjoy, uh, for instance, the news about Ricardo Boltz pras despite once being annoyed that he called someone a faggot on a stream. <laughs> and here ends this meandering podcast. Thanks, Josh, for the news. Beaufort did the music. CSGO2Asia is our affiliated website. Get in touch at the TruthCSGO on Twitter or the truth at the truth csgo.com via the emails the discords on the twitter join in for some uh end of year chatter about the news in csgo and until next week enjoy the game